Good morning, everybody. And a happy and blessed new year to you all. I think few people would argue that we live in a I want it now generation. Perhaps it began in the 1970s with the birth of instant food. If you're over 50, you might remember this. On your last trip, did you discover what the Earth people eat? They eat a great many of these. They peel them with their metal knives. All of them, 20 of their minutes. Then they smash them all to bits. They are clearly the most primitive people. I thank God for the time I have saved over the years by having instant potato. Well, they call it potato, anyway. And Amazon is constantly trying to get me to sign up for the Prime account so I don't have to wait a whole two days to get what I want, but I can get it the next day instead. And soon the I want it now generation may get things within an hour delivered by drone though possibly not in the Gatwick area. <laughs> if you want a Christian book to be a bestseller, try to get the word miracle in the title. And Christians are certainly not immune to wanting things now. End my suffering now. Heal me now. Change things now. Do a mighty miracle today, Lord, I pray. And who hasn't prayed such a prayer? I know I have. Especially in dark and difficult times, times of trial and suffering. And many books claim such miracles, instant divine power to change situations. Of course, the fact that there's a book about it should tell us something, shouldn't it? Such events are rare. People don't write books about commonplace things. The sorts of miracles that Jesus did, opening the eyes of the blind, stilling a storm, raising the dead, if they were commonplace, it wouldn't get made into a book. Rarity, not common cells. And incidentally, if such miracles were common, normal life would be impossible. I'll just leave you to think about that. Suffering without such miraculous solutions is the normal life, the normal Christian life. That's certainly my experience in 35 years of ministry uh, to hundreds, maybe thousands of people and thousands and thousands of prayers. And trials and suffering without a miraculous outcome has been my own personal experience. And books and sermons that promise miracles have been of little help to me in my life, though of interest and some help. And there's a danger that such promises, if unwisely made, can lead to unrealistic expectations, which can lead to a damaging of our faith and frustration and a lack of confidence in God's love, even in his existence. 
There is a book, however, that God has given to help you and I live the normal Christian life with our trials and tribulations. Life where there are not miraculous outcomes. This book shows us how to respond to life's difficulties and how through them we can be changed. Changed for good. How our faith can be strengthened. How joy can be released even in the most desperate of situations. And how our lives can become more complete and give more glory to God, which is what our lives are all about, giving glory to God. Let's turn to that book in the New Testament. It's the letter of James. And if you have picked up one of the church Bibles as you came in, one of these ones, and they're always at both entrances, so if you want to bring one in with you in the future you can, you'll find it on page 1213, 1213. The New Testament letter of James, and I'm just going to read chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. Chapter 1, the first four verses. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. What a start to a letter. If I were to summarize that theme in James's letter and give it a title to his book, I would say he's telling us, when life goes belly up, look up and hang on in there. When life goes belly up, look up and hang on in there. And we should look at those amazing and challenging verses in two weeks' time. Today is just an introduction to the letter of James. And James will be the subject of our series of sermons between now and Easter. This morning is just a quick look at, if you like, the menu of the things that await us, the good things that God has prepared for us to eat over the next 12 weeks. So, who is the chef who has prepared our food that is going to be our regular Sunday meal for the next couple of months? Chapter 1, verse 1, his name is James. This is James the younger brother, or one of the younger brothers of Jesus. A younger brother of Jesus. Though I should say, I suppose, stepbrother. James and Jesus shared the same mum, Mary, but they had different dads. James' dad was Joseph, but Jesus' dad was God the Father. And the scriptures record that this younger brother of Jesus didn't believe in Jesus until after the resurrection. But then James the believer was quickly known as James the just or James the righteous. That tells us something about him. James the just, James the righteous. And he became a leader in the young church at Jerusalem. 
The letter seems to have uh, Christian, uh, Jewish Christians in mind. There's references to Abraham and Elijah without much explanation, assuming that the readers know about Abraham and Elijah. And this letter may well be one of the earliest in the New Testament to be written. This letter is not a Michelin star meal. <laughs> that is fancy food. It's more little chef than master chef, you might say. Not that it isn't good food, but it's easily available. Simple, nourishing food, everyday food. James serves as practical advice and instruction for living the normal Christian life. Practical advice and instruction for living the normal Christian life. And over the next few months, the letter of James will set before us ten wonderful meals. And I hope we'll be hungry, because as James says in his letter, don't just listen to the word of God, but do it. Obey it. So let's just consider the menu. First course, in two weeks' time, will be about verses 2 and 3 that I read just now. How to respond to disaster. How to cope in long, dark, difficult, unending trials and suffering. How to cope. And he will tell us, persevering produces Christian maturity. Perseverance produces Christian maturity. We all suffer. We all want to be mature. James can help us. And then our second course is about how to make wise decisions. Would that be of help to you in the coming new year? To be able to make wise decisions? But you and I know that there will be times when we will make decisions over this coming year. And we won't quite know what to do. And we will want wisdom. And James... He's going to tell us about where we can get wisdom and be helped to make wise decisions. And then later in the series, James will speak to us about the wonder of God's Word. If you've got the Bible in front of you in one form or another, have a look at James chapter 1, verse 18. He chose to give us birth through the Word of truth. Isn't that lovely? God's Word gives us birth new life. Chapter 1 verse 21, we read how God's Word gives us salvation. How wonderful is that? Salvation comes through the Word of God. Chapter 1 verse 22, he says, do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the Word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. God's word is like a mirror. It can reveal our true selves. We can't trust other people to do that. I don't know about you, but I can't always trust myself to know myself. But God's word is like a mirror, which if we not just listen but obey, will reveal truths about ourselves. Chapter 1, verse 25, we read how God's Word gives us freedom. 
Freedom to live the wonderful, abundant life that God wants you and I to live. And chapter 1, verse 25 says that God's word, there is blessing. But this new birth, new life, this salvation, this insight, this freedom, this blessing is for those who don't read it, but for those who read it and obey it. I wonder if that will be true of this church and you and I this year. Habit can bring us to the table, but we'll need hunger if we're going to eat what we're served. May the Lord make us hungry this year. And James will condemn hypocrisy and injustice, so be warned. Our faith in Jesus, he will tell us, must result in lives that are lived like Jesus. If we have faith in Jesus, we must live like Jesus. No hypocrisy or injustice. Have you ever opened your mouth and put your foot in it? Said something you wish you hadn't? Maybe given an illustration about pink balloons that you're not quite sure you should have done? James offers words of advice, chapter 1, verse 19. Chapter 1, verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Chapter 1, verse 27. No, sorry, I'm going to mention that one in a moment. So... There are words of advice here about speaking. Chapter 3, verse 4. Chapter 3, verse 4. James says, as an illustration, take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boats. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil amongst the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. Strong words. Not fancy words. Not Michelin star master chef words, but simple words to nourish and instruct and guide us in living the Christian life. James would also call us to lay aside our pride. Wouldn't you like that in this new year? To lay more of our pride to one side and be clothed with the humility of Jesus Christ. Chapter 4, verse 6. God opposes the proud, but shows favour to the humble. We don't want to live life being opposed by God. Had you thought about that? Not God there for us, but God opposing us. Well, he opposes the proud, but he shows favour grace to those who are humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near 
to you. James will also instruct us about having good relationships within the church. He will give us advice about making plans for the future. And he'll encourage us to pray for each other and to praise God. Now, I don't know about you, but if I saw a menu like that outside a restaurant, I would be in there straight away. That's a meal that I want. And it's a meal that God is going to offer to us. Quite a feast. Maybe that we can't be here some weeks. Don't forget, it's recorded. And you can hear it on the church website. Our pastor Ian reminded us recently in a Christmas quiz that no one knows the future. We do not know what will unfold for our church in this coming year or in our lives or the lives of our families. But in this letter of James, God has prepared wonderful food to nourish us. I love that word, to nourish us. To help us in 2019 to be wise in our decisions. Strong in the face of suffering. United in our love for one another. Compassionate and just in our care for those in need. Authentic and humble in our walk with God. Faithful in prayer and joyful in praise. Praise of our God, who James reminds us in chapter 5, verse 11, is full of compassion and mercy. I commend this little letter to you. It takes about 20 to 25 minutes to read. What a meal. And probably quicker than it took to have your Christmas dinner. Chapter 4, verse 8, James says, Draw close to God, and he will draw close to you. Amen.